Hey everybody, this is Lonnie Sweet from the Sweet Management Group, and you are either listening to or watching the Never Sell Ice to Eskimos podcast, where we talk to uh, sales executives from the culinary, sports, general business, and entertainment worlds about their journey, uh, about being a salesperson in this industry, and what it took to get to where they are today. So whether you're listening in your earbuds, you're sitting in front of your computer, I appreciate you stopping by and hope you enjoy. All right. This is Lonnie Sweet, the CEO of Sweet Management Group, formerly the Connect Group. We are uh, on this Never Sell Ice to Eskimos podcast with one of my really good friends who's been a friend for you know 20 plus years, Lowell Taub. Uh, Lowell, and I don't like to uh, pump up his head more than it already is, but I think in my 20 plus career's career of selling, He's oddly enough, one of the best I've ever come across. And so um, he's got a different style. He's got a good personality. He's got some great clients. He is now the CEO of Stoke Management Group, the beautiful hat that he's wearing that he has not sent me one yet. Um, I was breaking his balls a little bit about not sending me one. Um, Lowell and I worked together at SFX literally 20 years ago. Um, he is now, like I said, the CEO of Stoke. He was formerly at CAA. He is a player, talent, agent, um, amazing clients over the years. Um, Nigel Houston, Chloe Kim right now, um, a whole bunch of action sports, a whole bunch of summer Olympians, Bodie Miller. What's up, dude? Did I do a good job? How's it going? Yeah, I, I, you know, I just realized, as you said, it's Sweet Management Group and Stoke Management Group were both uh, SMGs. They are both SMGs. So you don't go by SMG, though, do you? Because I'm going to have to see I mostly go that. by Stoked. Like, the full name is Stoked Management Group, but we, you know, we kind of say, hey, your client is Stoked. And um, so we kind of abbreviate it down to Stoked. So I was going to go with a sweet agency. And the reason I was going to go with a sweet agency is when I wanted a client to be like, hey, who's, who are you represented by? They wanted them to say, Oh, I'm represented by a sweet agency. Like, oh, that's a dope agency or something like that. You, you, you pick the you pick the right way. Yeah, I think sweet it was man, a little bit too cheesy. <laughs> cheesy. <laughs> anyway, but I, I appreciate you. Um, before we kind of get into a little bit back and forth, can you just do a quick little two minutes, a little bit more on, on kind of your career path, you know, what you're doing today, and maybe end it off with like, how did you get into sales and kind of what, what do you love about what you're doing right now? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll, I'll try to run through how I got here. So I finished Cornell in 96. Um, I thought I wanted to be a sportscaster. So I had my own public access show, uh, Sports World with Lowell Taub on Channel I would, 13. I would love nothing more in the world to listen to that right now. There are I VHS really tapes. VHS tapes it. exist. I got to digitize it. those, actually. Uh, so uh, I finished college. Um and my first job was representing sportscasters. And honestly, in my 22-year-old mind, I was like, oh, well, I'll meet everyone at ESPN and I'll tell them my, what I really want is to be a sportscaster and they'll give me a job. And, you know, I didn't want, I never in my mind's eye did I want to be an agent. Like, it just kind of didn't cross my mind. I wanted to be talent, you know, which is kind of ironic now. Um, but I love talking about sports and um so I did that job for about two years from 96 to 98 with a guy who's still a mentor and a friend in my life, Steve Hers at If Management. Great um, and I learned a couple things. First of all, to be an entry-level sportscaster, you kind of had to go to the middle of nowhere and make very, very little money for a number of years and kind of bounce around from 
a small market TV station in Iowa to a small market TV station in Louisiana. And, and I didn't really want to leave the city. I was having fun in Manhattan. All my friends were in Manhattan. Um, and <clears throat> I kind of realized that I had um, a decent knack for representing people and the art of the deal and speaking, you know, on people's behalf. And, and it was fun, you know, I remember very vividly this one guy, I think he was working in Savannah, Georgia and making 30 grand. And we moved him to Santa Fe, New Mexico for 85 grand. He called crying how he changed his life. And it was just a very gratifying feeling to, you know, to, to close deals and, and make people money. Um, <clears throat> that said, you know, after I did that job for two years, that job was very monotonous in that that job back then you shoved a VHS tape in an envelope, you sent it out to a news director, you sat at your desk and you waited to see if that news director thought your client was good enough. So I got very lucky. Um, Old school selling, by the way. Those yeah. back in the day were like, I, you know, I, we had Russ on last week and I remember Russ vividly when I started like phone and fax, phone and fax or mail and fax. You would mail it and then you have to fax it. So like old school this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, people who are going to watch this don't even know what VHS tapes are. (laughs) Um, So I got I I came home one day, you know, when I was burnt out on that job and um, Mike Levine, Vino, uh, a big titan in the sports industry, who's now the Mm -hmm. co-head of CA Sports. He was a senior at Cornell when I was a freshman. So in 98, now I'm 24 and he's 27 and he's killing it at what was called the Marquee Group. And he gave me a shot uh, at, at entry-level athlete marketing. So I actually took a pay cut. Um, and rather than try to get, you know, a sportscaster a job at ESPN, now I was trying to get athletes their Gatorade deal, their Nike deal, right. their Visa deal, however they can make money off the field. Um, and that just suited me really well. I, I really, I, I loved SFX, or excuse me. So the marquee group was acquired a year later by a company called SFX sports, a guy named Bob Sillerman, a billionaire rolled up a number of sports agencies, David Fox agency, Arn Tellum's agency, the Hendricks brothers agency, the marquee group pro serve, and probably three or four or five others. And that's where you and I met Lonnie. So I, nice, I was uh, at yep. SFX. Yep. I was at SFX from 98 to 05. Um, really, the job wasn't all that different in 98 as it is today. I mean, maybe I'm more senior at it and I'm more experienced at it. And then I was doing $5,000 deals and now I'm trying to do $5 billion deals. But at the end of the day, I was trying to find brands to pay athletes money to um, endorse their brand and their products. Um, had a great run at SFX, promoted a number of times. SFX kind of fell apart in 05. It, it went live when Clear Channel spun off what is today called Live Nation, you know, the big, um, li- uh, you know, ticketing entity. They kind of stepped away from their sports group. And there was a very rare moment in time where in 2005, I'm 31 years old, and they said, Hey, if you want to do this, you can have this business, take all of your 11 clients, take most of the revenue. And you can go do it yourself. So I'm 31 years old and I opened uh, GFHF Marketing <laughs> and Management, one of the all-time great uh, company names in the history of the industry that what did, all, what of my, for again? all of my friends still make fun of me for and don't know the order of the initials. But it's, um, Bodie Miller had written a book called Be Good, Go Fast and Have Fun. 
uh, like as a life mantra. And I took yeah. the go fast and have fun and made it GFHF um, really terrible. ahead of my time in, in, in naming companies. Terrible. GF, it would not have fit as well on a hat. Would, uh, go fast, I, have I, fun. I was just looking at your bio. And that, I was looking at your bio before we got on here and I saw that and it made me laugh actually. So um, from uh, 05 to 07, from the age of 31 to 33, I had my own boutique sports marketing agency. You know, I often kind of say I didn't even know what I didn't know, you know, but I was young and self-confident and I had a revenue stream and it was a pay raise, you know, even being on my own and calling my own shots and had a guy named Tom Yaps working for me, who's now, you know, one of the most reputable action sports agents in the business at Evolution. Yep. Then I had Zach Nadler working for me, who's now over at Vayner Sports, uh, running their speakers division. And then, uh, you know, kind of giving all of the, everyone listening to us, you know, a little bit about the way, you know, everything connects and, and never burn a bridge. Well, I'll tell you two things. So when I had that company, I rented office space for my first boss, Steve Hers. So the guy that I quit on in 98 you know, rolled out the red carpet and let me sublet office space from him from, from 05 to 07, which was fantastically generous. Corner of 53rd and 7th. Yep. I remember. Um, I think we were at, uh, right, 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 right. I, I, yep. Right. Um, right near Carnegie Deli. Yep. Um, but then also in terms of connectivity, Mike Levine, who was the guy in the story who had hired me in 98. So now it's 07. I'm 33. Vino's 36 is crazy to say out loud how young we were but CAA had just handed Vino the keys to their sports department him and Howie Newchow these two 36 year olds and said you know we're, we want to bet on you young bucks to build us a billion dollar you know sports agency you know with the power of the CAA um, initials and brand and checkbook uh, and Vino and I had a breakfast that, that wasn't even a breakfast for me to get a job. I was very happy running my own agency at 33. But Vino, uh, who's an excellent salesman, uh, kind of said, yeah, you have a cute little thing over there. Like, you're going to roll that into this. Like, you're, you're done with that. Right. You know, you know um, and I actually said no. Um, you know, I said, I, 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 and, you know, and he came back with a second offer which was not very much stronger than the first offer, but he's very persuasive. And, and to be fair to Vino, uh, I wanted to hitch my wagon to his star. Like I knew Vino was an absolute, you know, stud in the industry and he will go down as one of the greatest all time uh, sports yep. marketing agents and executives in the history of our industry. Uh, and then I spent 13 years there, you know, with Vino and Howie Newchow and Paul Danforth and Lloyd Frischer and everybody else. And um, so I was there from 07 to 20, uh, leading the sports endorsements division. So again, same job as since 98, you know, getting your, your shampoo deal and your car deal and your credit card deal and your headphone deal and your shoe deal. Um, See, so I had an incredible roster of clients. You know, while, while I was there, it's Derek Jeter in baseball and it's Sidney Crosby in hockey and it's Cristiano Ronaldo in soccer and it's Novak Djokovic in tennis. And it's I was Sean White's personal agent from 2010 to 2017. And whereas I really came in as the guy who was trying to lead all of the sports endorsements, as I look back and tell the story now, when I signed Sean White in 2010, he was such a, um, you know, a planet with a gravitational pull and took so much of my time 
that I really started to rip off of that and focus on this action sports and uh, individual sports and Olympic world. Right. So Sean White opened the door to Nigel Houston, who's the best skateboarder in the world, and opened the door to Chloe Kim, who's now the new Sean White and the best snowboarder in the world. For better or for worse, I represented Patrick Reed for two years from 2016 to 18, which is its own podcast. Um, but I was there for the green jacket as kind of a career accomplishment. And as a golf, you see, I'm in my master's shirt. So I'm a, a golf nerd and to represent the master's champion in, in April of 2018 and to get that hug on national television on the 18th green was, you know, a career highlight. And then pandemic came along and um, look, I, I, I would not change my, my 13 years at CA for the world. I had an amazing time. I had, I had these two kind of, alumni families right my sfx family which you're a part of lonnie we have 25 friends that we bump into around the industry yep. you know that that we still are happy to see and then i had a 13 year long ca family with 50 friends you know that that i that i still am in touch with um but i approached management and said look coming out of pandemic you're going to have to you know focus on your your bigger businesses your football business your basketball business your property sales your corporate consulting and I, uh, you know, I, I will sing Vino and Paul and Howie's praises, you know, and, and this is a rare kind of reverse Jerry Maguire, you know, who's coming with me goldfish moment where I made them a proposal on a Monday and 10 days later, 11 days later on the following Friday, I had an executed separation agreement, no bloodshed, no lawsuits, and they handed me, you know, 18 clients and Stoked Management Group was born overnight on August 15th of 2020 during the pandemic, um, where I took my entire client roster. And, and I will say, and it's a humbling moment and also, I guess, a, a, a little bit, you know, self-confident moment. I mean, they always talk about is it the agent or the agency and the fact that Chloe Kim and, and Nyjah and John Florence, the best surfer in the world, and Sky Brown, who at the time was an 11-year-old prodigy, and I'm hoping, you know, becomes the next, you know, if, if your generational talent was Tony Hawk and then Sean White, right. and I'm hoping <clears throat> Sky Brown is that next, uh, you know, she, um, the fact that all of these 18 people said, yeah, I, you, you know, Lowell Taub, you in your basement, you know, that's who I want representing me rather than this incredible and again, I'm not saying a single ill word about CAA, but this multi-billion dollar biggest agency on the planet. And it was very, very humbling and flattering that, that I was 18 for 18 too. I did not have a single client that I wanted to take say no. Um, so yeah, we're coming up on, uh, I guess I'm two months shy of two years. You know, our two year birthday right. or anniversary is August 15th. And um so it's everyone we mentioned. I guess a couple of the ones that we haven't mentioned, I represent a handful of Peloton talent, Kendall Tool, Maddie Majacomo, Kirsten Ferguson, uh, Debrickashaw's ex-wife, who's on their, who's the face of their treadmill. Um, and then, like you said, a bunch of legends, you know, Gabby Douglas, um, Sonia Richards-Ross and Bodie and Julia Mancuso and Ashley Wagner and Cullen Jones and Summer Sanders and... Um, Josh Giddy, I represent. So the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, NBA player who was yep, the number yep. six overall pick last year uh, from an Australian kid. Gabby Thomas as a Harvard two-time Olympic medalist from Tokyo last summer, a Harvard grad, um, beautiful young woman. 
who you know could be one of the faces of the 24 Paris Olympics. Um, and you know, we're in the NIL business as well. So we have right. Emma Wyant, who is a just finished her sophomore year at University of Virginia. She's already an Olympic medalist in swimming. And we just signed Croy Bethune, who's going to lead the USC women's soccer team here as a captain in her senior year, and then hopefully on to the NWSL draft and on to the national team. So I, I think let, you let asked for two question. minutes. That was probably 10. So no, that's about good. as short-winded as I can do it. <laughs> so this isn't necessarily a sales question, but it kind of is along the same way, right? So I know Julia and Bodie and Summer and these clients you've had for a really long time. What, what do you attribute to – them sticking with you for so long, right? Bodie's been a client for 20 plus years. He was the greatest, maybe arguably one of the greatest skiers ever. Like, And I know you guys have a very personal relationship, but I, I don't think it's fair just to say, well, you guys are great friends. You, you became great friends, right? You didn't start off as great friends. You grew into this really awesome relationship. What do you, like, what is it that you think you're doing that you're able to build these such good relationships with these clients? And, and by the way, I would say all of the people that we've worked with, right? Whether it's Russ or Raskin or all, it's something that I think we're all really good at, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm curious about why, what it is you think that we're doing that allows that to, to happen? Yeah. Um, I feel like there's a couple answers. Now I'll, I'll try to be really, really honest and really, really self-aware. First of all, I'm an only child. So as I talk to my what like I've always acquired friends and relationships my whole life. Like I'm one of those weirdos that has my high school friends, my college friends, my summer camp friends, my suburbs friends, my SFX friends, my CAA friends. I have like, because I don't have any siblings. So I, I love having lots and lots right. of friends and different friend groups. Um, so one, I, I feel like I'm good at, pers- you know, at, at forming relationships with people. Um, you know, I, I, what I will say, what I have learned, and this is the honest part, at the end of the day, if I'm not making them money, like, this is the really, really honest part for your audience. Like, yes, I call everyone at Stoked family, right? The, the Stoked family. And I consider, right. yep. you know, I, I, you know, for your for, you know, our listeners here, I've two of the people we've rattled off, I've actually literally introduced them to their spouses. So, Bodie Miller is married to a former pro beach volleyball player client of mine, Morgan Beck. And Summer Sanders is married to a former ski racer client of mine, Eric Schlopey. And that's just who I am. You know, I, I like, I like, you know, I like connecting dots of people right. and I like mashing up different friend groups. Um, so, but what I will say and what I confide in my wife about, who's like my real consigliere is now those people have all been in my life 20 years, but really like we do perform a service. And, and sometimes if you're not, if you're not performing, you know, they have an accountant and they have a dentist and they have an electrician and they have all these people in their lives and we're not family. Uh, You know, we, you know, so I would say, well, I guess I'm saying is I think the reason that things have gone so well is the mix of, I make them a lot of money. I do it with integrity. Um, and then I invest in the relationship, you know, uh, we, right. we, you know, whether it's, you know, when we were younger, you know, the, the, you know, literally I like working out with my clients. I like golfing with my clients. I like going to dinners with my clients. I travel with my clients and anyone listening. And, you know, this, you, we often say like a sports agent, if you get it right, it's not a job, it's like a lifestyle. Like you really do. You know what I always 
tell, I remember like my Steve hers, my first mentor, my first boss, like this job, you have to take it home with you. You know, it doesn't turn off at five or six o'clock on a Tuesday. It's a 24 seven thing. And so I think answering your question is a mix of hopefully I'm decent at relationship forming. Hopefully I'm decent at making the money. I know I'm good at integrity and honesty. And then, yeah, it's just, it's just the magic of those kind of elements added up. Um, But I really do invest in relationships. Like I, you know, I go again to the Jerry Maguire scene, right. Where like Bob sugar tries to hug that quarter, you know, like, you know, um, you know, the Cuba Gooding Jr. Character and and like, they love each other and and they want to hug after a win. And, and not every agent's like that. They don't all have that gene. And sometimes it can be a business strategy. And even I'll say some other agencies are just in the volume game. They know they're going to get fired. They know there's going to be clients coming in and out. And like you said, I mean, Bodie's 20 years, Summer's 24 years, Julia's 20 years, Gabby Douglas is 10 years, Chloe is eight years. And so every new client I sign, I hope that they're family that way as well. How do you, how do you teach that? You know, one of the things we t- I talked about with Russ, you know, on uh, on our podcast I had with him last week, you know, I think we were brought into this world of that's the fact, at least I was, where it was like, here's a phone, here's a phone book, here's your client list, go figure it out. I've always found that as I, as I've evolved as a, you know, agency owner trying to bring people underneath me and trying to teach other salespeople, how, how do you, how do you teach that? Like, it, is it teachable? Is it something that's innate? Like, I'm having a hard time with that, right? Like understanding how do you, how do you teach what you just said? Can you? So great question. I'd say firstly, by example. So I treat my three employees and actually I just, my fourth just started. He's in California. So it'll be more difficult. I treat them the exact same way. I treat them like I'm an arms wide open. Like I love you until you give me a reason not to type of guy. Right. So we're on a text string all the time, which I'm sure they side text and roll their eyes. Uh-huh. Nicole's writing them a random idea, like who got in touch with this mattress company at 10 o'clock or, you know, on Saturday, you know, is anyone watching Cornell lacrosse in the you know final four? Like I treat them the same way, like they're family right. and I love them. And, and you, you see kind of a consistent level of communication. You see the integrity, you see the honesty, you see the results where hopefully, you know, I, I give them commissions or bonuses or raises like a little bit. I treat them the same way. That's just the way that I'm wired. Um, and yes, you know, so again, for all of you or for all the people who are going to watch and listen to us, there is this thing now of this Gen Z and walking on eggshells about holding them accountable to excellence and giving them constructive criticism without them you know, looking for a new job the next day or, you know, I, I remember I, I t- I've told this story several times in way back in 98 when I was, you know, and, and you know, just starting with Steve hers at this, you know, it was a two person agency, the 30 year old boss and me. Right. And I'm this cocky Ivy League kid, you know, and I wanted to work from nine to five and party like, you know, I'm 22 in New York City. Um. And he once said to me, month two, three, four, five, somewhere early, like he said to me, you know what? Like I can get, I think, you know, I I can get any bum off the street to give me the level of effort that you're giving me. Like there are a hundred people out there who want this job. And he was the first person who said, 
you have to take this job home with you. I've bet my whole life on this job. I'm 30 years old. I need you in it 100% of me, if not more, like, or you're not the right guy. Right. Now, there's two ways to react to that. Fuck this guy. I'm out of here. Then you are right or, or <laughs> to, to like I, my, the way my personality is. Finally, I like I had I had been I had been a bare minimum guy my whole life, meaning I, I knew I kind of had a good memory so I could get through school and get I got a, A's instead of A pluses and I got into Cornell and didn't really work hard at Cornell and then got this job handed to me. And finally, somebody said, like, hey, like this isn't how you get through life at B minus B, B plus A minus effort. You fucking like if you're going to excel in life, you have to come with your maximum effort. And that changed my life that that day that he said any bum off the street could give him could do better than I could. Um, and I, but my point is, if I said that same thing to a 23 year old now, I don't know, you know, with with, you know, this, you know, what we talk about, the participation trophy generation and the. Yeah. Her Let me ask you though, if they and, walked uh, out, I don't, yeah. If if they reacted bad to that statement and walked out, well, then they're not right. In my mind, they're not right. Yes, right. Everyone, look, I, I, I everyone likes to be liked. I, I wouldn't want anyone to walk out and be like that guy's a jerk. But you know, hell, I'm 48 now. I got to be comfortable in my own skin. And here's what I know. Here's what also makes me feel good, Lonnie. So at CAA. I think it's fair to say that I had a reputation of being a tough boss. Like there's a, a you know, a, um, you get an assistant there who's on your desk and yep. you train them for two or three years. I think it's fair to say that I'm more difficult than my best buddy Lloyd Frischer is, who's a happy go lucky guy. I'm just more intense during the work hours. You're a stranger. But, <laughs> but every one of those assistants, every one of them is in my life today. Right. You know, one of them is, is came to work for me. So I helped him get a job at UEG as a talent buyer because he hit a glass ceiling at CAA. He left UEG for a pay cut to work for me personally and my three month old agency. You know, and but Tommy Barnett, I, I was at his wedding and Liz Moss is one of my dearest friends. And Mina Cote at the USOPC is a friend and Kosi Buddha, you know, at Sony. So I think they all look back and be like, like I feel of Steve. When I tell the story of Steve said to me, any bum off the street can do better. I think they look back and say he was always rational and level-headed and he wasn't, he wasn't a screamer and a cursor. He just expected excellence. He wanted excellence from himself and he wanted excellence from us. So this is a, you know, you asked me like how, how, how do we train our people to be as good at uh, as hopefully we are and maintain these relationships? And I think it's by being very fair, but expecting excellence and holding them accountable. And it, look, I'll say without saying any of my three, you know, I've had three employees now for a various amount of time up to 22 months. It's been a bumpy road. Like they right. weren't all, but you know, I think all three of them have really found their lane and have really gotten their feet under them and have really just seen like, oh, he's a psycho and he was working all the time, <laughs> but he's fair. He's not a loony bin who's flying off the handle and, and, and or, or making like, you know, everything has a clear line of sight of 
you know, me being a rational person demanding excellence from them because that's what our clients deserve. And that's, that's what I want stoked management to stand for, you know, being best in class at what we do and doing it with integrity rather than, you know, what we, you and me and our generation worries that this whole Gen Z just kind of phoning it in and always looking for the next job and, you know, and, and life happiness is so important that like maybe the job would stop at five thirty every day. And yeah, that's just, that's just not the nature of Stoke management group. Yeah. I think there's so much to unravel there. We don't have enough time, right? I think the idea that you got a lot of these younger kids that are not, not working in an environment like we worked in, I, I feel very fortunate and grateful to have worked in the environments that I have worked in, that ISI office, right? The SFX office, right? The the IMG office, being able to be around people that were different than me, just to be able to walk out of my office and down the hall and spend time with Worcester or Peter Levy or Sam Budo or Michael Brown or whoever it may be in our office, whether it's you or Raskin or anybody, whoever is, you know, Lloyd and Jimmy Murray and all those guys, to be able to spend time with them and just be able to, either get away from it, throw the football in the hallway, talk about ideas. I'm, I'm super grateful for it. Right. You I think, threw a tight spiral, man. You had a I, still tight spiral. Tight, I still do, by the way, I have a, <laughs> I've, if, if, if I'm being honest, I, I have it right here still. Right. So I'm still got the ball. So we, we don't have a ton of time left. I'm curious kind of, if you were to give a handful of advice, a couple tips to either young kids or people that are looking for their lane. What, one of the things I've been trying to figure out for a really long time. And I think I'm now getting to the point where I'm really comfortable in it. I really believe that everybody has certain sales style. I think for a long time, I tried to really truly emulate other people and learn from them. And I forced myself to be certain things, right? I, I, I am very much a hard sales guy. Always have been. That's I'm not. Right. (laughs) But I've been in rooms where some of the best people I've ever sold with are not. And I always tried to be like, well, why can't I be more like that? Why can't I be more like that? And what I realized is that like, I can take pieces of what they do and I can learn from them, but I need to figure out my own style, like the way that makes me the best version of myself to go sell. It's never going to be a soft sales guy. I've done better listening and I've done better not shoving shit down people's throats and I've done better being a solutions provider, but I'm still a hard sales guy. So I guess my question to you is like, how did you figure out your style? And like, what's a couple pieces of advice you would give for young kids or people along the trail just to kind of, you know, help them in their journey? Yeah. I mean, look, I, I try at 48 years old to be self-aware and you can, you know, break my balls and, and um, even tell no. everyone what my, <laughs> what my sales style is. Cause like, look, I, I will say, I will give a compliment to Paul Danforth, the head of sponsorship sales at CA Sports, who I think is one of the all-time greats. Agreed. That Paul, um, all about the relationship, and it could be the second or third or fourth or sixth, fifth or sixth or seventh meeting, and the seventh time you're out for drinks, and it might take 18 months before they ever he ever gets a dollar from and look sponsorship sales are a little different than, yeah. than athlete sales and some, you know ours is more transactional rapid his is much yep. bigger numbers that, but the point is like style is you know i'm going to become I'll, I'll just kind of become best friend you know everyone's best buddy and then at some point it will make sense he'll have something great to sell them and they've become buddies in the trenches and and they'll figure it out and he's fair and smart and fun <clears throat> Gosh, my style, you know, I, I, in my mind, I try to be that I'm trying to be friend, you know, 
friends first or friends second. You know, I love a party as much as any guy. And, and so many of my buyers I've had epic nights with at the Olympics and X Games and NBA All-Stars and SB Awards and in the city as we were growing up. Um, I guess, yeah, I still have something. I'm still trying to close business. I'm trying to close deals. I'm trying to get my clients new deals and new money. Um, I don't know. I think if you asked all of the people that transact with me, it'd be a mix of he's got a great client list. So anytime we call him, we know he's going to have a great option. He's not going to have a B, B minus, C plus. And I, I think they probably also respect that um, I guess what I'm saying is I've now done some talent buying at Stoke Management Group. We also have a talent advisory practice. So I represent right. five brands. So now I'm getting to transact on the buy side with my competitors. So to they're see not, some of them, they're not as good as you think they are. Well, I mean, some are horrible. I mean, to right. see some of the mistakes made of in terms of pricing somebody at 175,000, that should be 75,000. So just right away, you're turned off and they're wasting. We're like, or the thing that I always scratch my head the most about is I'll send an email being like, I am trying to give you and your client money and they They won't respond respond for two weeks. (laughs) And I'm like, what? So I think the buyers would be like, look, he's a nut job in terms of he's so detail oriented and he writes emails with 17 bullet points in them, but he's, smart and he's fair and he's got integrity and he's not going to fuck us over his clients are going to do what they say they're going to right that's the other thing i hold my clients accountable right there are agents that they do a deal for and you owe 10 social media posts and 11 months go by and the client's done two social media posts and the brand complains they're like they throw up their hand like i think that brands know they're going to get the deliverables that they're due that things are going to run smoothly. I mean, these are the ways that you get repeat business. You know, I don't know what my style is. I mean, I like to think that I get 98 cents of every dollar that a brand is willing to spend. And at least they don't have to spend a hundred cents or 101 cents. And at, you know, if they spend 95 or 96 or 97 cents with me, it's worth it because the talent is going to be awesome and they're going to get what they paid for. And there's going to, you know, and their, and their emails and their phone calls are going to be returned. That's the other thing that I, I mean, anyone who knows me knows I live on my iPhone and I will constantly get emails back from people. Thank you so much for your rapid response. So when you, you just know that your competitors don't respond in. And then you literally scratch your head and said, like, what are, what are you spending your working hours on if it's not trying to get deals done? Like, I, I don't, are I you golfing? Are you traveling with your clients? Are you reading a book? Like, what is taking up your time that the email that comes in that says, I have a deal for you is not the one that you're going to respond to within 24 hours. But I actually, I actually have a tendency to respond too quickly. And me I've too. Actually now, I've actually now said, like, let me pause a beat. Give me, like, well, not, not 10 minutes, but like a couple hours and then respond because, and, and by the way, well, I think that's because I always tell people all the time, I'm a deal junkie. I fucking love doing deals. I love it. I get energy on it. Right. The, it's our, I think it the me, art of the yeah. deal is our thing. Like we aren't going to win a championship in anything. Right. We aren't going to stand on the top of a podium. We're not going to get a ring. Our winning is ringing the cash register and doing great deals and being able to call the client be like, Dude, I you I just got you five million dollars, you know, from blah 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 brand, and like, 
crying or like, just like, you know, I have a client that was making $50,000 from a brand and in the renewal, their average annual value would be four fifty, and they don't even believe it, you know, on the phone. And that's right. That's our, those are our, that's how we keep score. And that's, you know, that the, I agree with you, like deal junkie, you said like the art of the deal and getting shit done that is our adrenaline. That that is our our daily winning. We're we're not going to yeah. win 162 baseball games or an Olympic medal. We're going to get little singles and doubles and triples and home runs uh, on, on closure. I did win my old man softball league last year, so you can <laughs> you can hold back the winning. That was a pivotal component of my old man softball league. Um, all right, um, listen, I, I wanted I, to I one you. more thing, Lonnie, because you asked me for advice. Yeah. The biggest advice when I answered this question. The biggest advice, you know, when the people say, what would you tell your younger self? The biggest advice I'd give my younger self is um, that the brands are my clients also. So, and what I mean by that is Sean White's going to come and go in my life and Novak Djokovic is going to come and go and any athlete might come and go. And like we've said, I'm lucky enough that I have a lot that have been in my life. Gatorade's not going anywhere. Red Bull's not going anywhere. Nike's not going anywhere. These brands. So when I was 28, let's call it 25 to 35, I loved having the moral high ground and the contractual high ground of like, you're right and I'm wrong. Yep. You didn't do that. Like you didn't let me approve that ad or you're 17 days late on a payment or blah, blah, blah. You're in breach of contract. And like, I wanted to win that argument, you know, and, um, and like now, what it's so easy to realize, like, unless the client is personally invested in being upset and saying, hey, right. you got to defend me here, or where's my money, or that, they, that ad went out and I'm rip shit pissed about it, then score the points of being the nice guy that is aware that they fucked something up. And you can acknowledge it and let them owe you one or, and let them be like, gosh, like, I read like we put out a big print ad that without blah, 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 athletes permission. And he was really cool about that. And I want to do more business with that guy is the biggest thing I tell myself. Like, I just wanted to win arguments. and I wanted to be right. And I think I was kind of trained of your job is to protect the client's interest to the end of the earth. But somebody should have trained me also to say when the client cares, like you don't need to do it just in a vacuum of protecting the client because something erroneous happened, protect the client if they care. So that would be the biggest advice that I would give my younger self, like nurture your brand side relationships and your agency side relationships as much as you're nurturing your talent relationships. I think it's about winning wins, right? Everybody always says let's do a win-win partnership. The reality is most people think win-lose. I win, you lose. It's not, they don't have to be mutually exclusive of one another. Not, not only they shouldn't have to be, they shouldn't be. It should always be win-win, right? You should not be ever looking to seek to win a negotiation. Winning a negotiation means that there's something the other person is not getting and they're not happy about. Please, my thing. Dude, I love you. I got to run. Love you too, buddy. I love talking to you. Um, I really do truly, uh, I thank you for being on here. I really do think that you're one of the best I've ever worked with. You're quirky, you. you're weird, and your 17-point emails <laughs> are outrageous, right? Like truly, truly outrageous. 
golfing with you is painful, but I love it. Um, and I just, I appreciate you, man. And I, and I appreciate you coming on here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. SMG forever. What? All right, bud. Later, thanks. Buddy. Bye.